as I read 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to listen for what the Apostle says is important. If you're going to be used of the Lord, what you must do. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. Now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So... Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jan and Jambers opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men, Corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all. As was that of those two men. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now, uh, just to give you some indication of uh, how my mind is mush from, from last week. I didn't even pray. Like we normally pray. And I did not even pray. And you could say, well, we prayed early in the service. Let's just move on to the rest of the sermon. I ain't doing it. We're going to pray. So if you will, let's pray together and ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Lord, if if you will only do what do for these people, what I have the strength and and skill to to do, then we might as well just leave. 
because I don't have it. God, if you will only do in this time what they deserve, these people, if you would, if you would work according to their desires and, and how they live, live this week and how much they have shown that they love you and prioritize you, God, I, I'm guessing they're not much different than me and it won't be worth doing what we're about to do. And so we come to you the way we always come to you. And that is not based upon any goodness in us. We come to you our strength, our rock, our fortress, and our deliverer, our God. We are in your word taking refuge. Would you magnify yourself And would you speak to us and do good to us? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tomorrow is the big day. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? Y'all know what tomorrow really is? Come on, it's a church now. Y'all know what tomorrow really is? No, it's Halloween. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Reformation Day. I get that. And, and I'm excited about that as well. But I want to talk to you about Halloween just for a smidge. Um, it's a big day. I know a lot of you are, are, are really looking forward to it. Um, but it, it's not it's not easy for everyone. So tomorrow, amidst all the festivities, uh, there will be people who should not come within a mile of sugar <laughs> and people like us are going to be tempted constantly by all the people who are fine to eat sugar. It's going to be tough for some of us tomorrow. Uh, there will be husbands who despise being dressed up like clowns and they're going to be forced, you know, all for the kids. Um, but it will be mostly a fun day for the kids. And what will make it fun is not just uh, the costume, and that, that can be proven in my house because we're always figuring that out last minute. Um, if you want to have fun tomorrow night, uh, it won't just be about where you go, although it's obvious that Rogers is the place to kind of walk up and down. That's where all the goodies are handed out, and uh, I didn't see Kirk and Robin here, so let me tell you all to go to their house. They hand out cash, okay? <laughs> so I'm just telling you, since they're not here, I want you all to flood their house. Make them find an ATM tomorrow night. Uh, it can be fun if you, if you go with the right people as well. Uh, you want to make sure you got someone really cute and little with you to prime that pump when they say uh, trick or treat. But what, what's even more important than all those other things is what happens at the end of the night. I know this because I'm a dad of little kids. What happens at the end of the night is the kids get all the candy out and they spread it all out and categorize it all. And they're putting it into little little piles 
of the things that they love and that they're going to enjoy. And then there's another pile. And that pile is of all the candy that they're going to use. If you've got little kids, you know what I'm talking about. They're going to use these as bargaining chips, right? To get, to get more of the candy that they like. Spread it all out. And then they start making all the deals. That's when the real stuff goes down on Halloween. Well, Second Timothy is a bit like that. At least our passage. Hang with me. I'm, I'm stretching here. But Second uh, Timothy is a smidge like that. We don't have little kids laying out all the candy and figuring out which candies are most useful to them. But we have God himself coming into his house. Verses 20 and 21. Speak about this great house. That is the house of God, the church of God. And the master of the house is coming into this house and he comes to a cabinet. And in that cabinet are all of the vessels that he could use. And he's trying to figure out if I want to do this kind of task. Who will be useful to me? All of these Vessels that are spoken of here in verses 20 and 21 are a reference to Christians in God's church. And what God wants to do is glorious. He means not to just trade his people to get something that is just selfishly satisfying to him. He's trying to use his people for the benefit of giving eternal life to sinners. And of bringing glory to his name. We come to the cabinet of the master. We have vessels inside that are gold and silver. It says in verses 20 and 21. And that refers to the precious china. That would be used, you could imagine, for the master's honorable events. You might just kind of imagine the story of Beauty and the Beast, where some of the, the servants of the master were turned into these vessels. One, a little lampstand, a, a wardrobe, and, and, and a little tea mug, a little chip. That's the, that's the, the honorable vessels, but then there's a second kind of vessel. In the cabinet. That you can find even in the church of God. And that's described as wood and clay. And those the master uses for dishonorable works. Follow this. Not gold and silver, but the wood and clay that, that a master would use to throw out dirty bathwater. Or to catch human waste. And, and, and in Second Timothy, Paul has been saying to Timothy, to this pastor, that both kinds of things are happening in the church, even in Ephesus, even in Redeemer. That there could be people, according to verse 10, look there, who are used for this great honorable work that God is doing through Christ Jesus to, to save the elect. And to bring them to eternal glory. But then there's another kind of work in, at the end of verse 14. Where there are Christians in churches who are using their words and quarreling about them in a way that everyone who's listening to them is being ruined. They're not being saved. They're being secured 
for judgment. So what I would like to do with this passage is to encourage Redeemer Church on how to be useful to the master. How to be useful to the master of the house. And I want to ask you, what is your life being used for? That's a good question. What is your life being used for? Now, some of you have a certain kind of personality or some of you have a certain certain kind of circumstances going on in your life where your your answer to that is, well, it's not much. My, my, my life doesn't matter for much at all. Others of you immediately are, are supremely confident all the time. And so you can list a lot of things that you're doing that's so useful to this world. But what I want you to hear is as Paul speaks to a church leader, understand that there are implications for anyone who wants to serve in the house of the Lord should be every single Christian. And I also want you to listen if you're someone who does not serve Jesus at all. Because this passage will lay out for you a better offer than you have taken before. How do we make sure that when the master walks up to that cabinet and opens it up and starts to decide who he's going to use, that he will find you ready for his good works. Here's the sermon in a sentence. If you want to be used, you got to be clean. If you want to be used, you got to be clean. Listen to me, you want to be used. You want to be used by this master doing this, the kind of things that he does. You want to be a servant of this master. So I know what it's like. I, 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 I used to teach school, used to coach sports and those kinds of situations. People. People don't want to be picked if you're in class, but they do want to be picked if you're on the field. You know what I'm saying? When you're in a class and you're the teacher and you ask a question and then you look up and everyone is looking down, right? They don't want teacher to, to call on them at all. But if you're a coach and everyone's picking the team and they're thinking, oh, well, I want to play that. Then you're looking right at the, the coach or whoever's picking. Pick me. And I want to tell you, you want to be picked. You want to be used by this master. And you got to understand that you got to be clean. I want to lay out the, pas uh, the passage for you just briefly. Uh, verse 21 says, if you want to be used, you have to be clean. You see that? If anyone cleanses himself, then he will be useful. And then we see in verse 22, a section that says, and therefore you should do these things. And I'm going to say that you should clean your character. And then if you look down in chapter three and verse five, there is another summary thing that you should do. You should avoid certain people. And so if you want to be used, you got to be clean. And there's two steps to being clean, clean your character 
and clean your company. Let's walk through that together. Step number one in being useful to the master is in chapter 2, verses 22 through 26, and that's to clean your character. Verse 22, the master uses people who flee youthful passions. Uh, that word flee is, is a military term. It, you just imagine a soldier who comes up upon a field and it's a, it's a minefield. Now, only a fool would realize that and then try to kind of navigate through the mines. No, in that kind of situation, you should flee. So one way to cleanse yourself, to, to cleanse your character is you have to retreat from certain dangers. If you want to be clean, you got to retreat here, it says, from passions or sinful desires that are especially associated with being young. But it, but then right after that, he says, don't just run away. You also have to run to something. Look in verse 22. You flee one thing and then pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace. How you can be useful to the master is to clean your character. And here it's described as you clean your character like you're a hunter. Not, not just hiding in a blind, you know, reeking of dough urine or whatever you guys be doing. Y'all are getting ready for all kinds of crazy stuff in this week. But. This hunter tracks down the prey. It's out there. If you want to be clean, you've got to retrieve, not just retreat, but you've got to retrieve these qualities of, of righteousness, of, of living for the Lord and bringing all of your life in, into conformity with the way that His character is like. And, and you need to retrieve faith. If you want to be useful to the, to the Master when He comes into the cabinet and is figuring out, who am I going to choose to do this great work of salvation that I'm going to do to encourage the saints? I'm going to find someone who is filled with faith and you need to retrieve faith. You need to be filling your life with things that build up your confidence in the Lord. But also you need to retrieve love. You need to be the kind of person who is actively seeking to lay down your life for others. That's the kind of person that God will reach out and, and use. And peace. If you want to be used, you've got to be clean of conflicts. Of breaking fellowship with people. You've got to be someone who forgives and, and confesses and reconciles. Well, how do we do this? I want to submit to you that there is a utensil that is most helpful to us in cleaning our character. I'm going to make this case that it is the word of God. It is the word of God. Look how in verse 21, we have this phrase that that there are people in the church who are set apart to be used by the master. And it specifically says they are ready for every good work. See that phrase ready for every good work. Then look at the end of chapter three. Look at the last words of chapter three. You see it? Something equips us for every good. 
And it is, verse 16, all Scripture. This is Paul's point. What is it that will help reprove and correct your passions, those sinful desires that each one of us has? It is the Bible. There are some, I've heard stories of um, parents who, you know, they'll, they'll, they have a certain time they have to get home, get the kids home because of, you know, it's bath night or whatever. And bath night means uh, we, ha- we take a bath every single night. Like some people do that. Some of y'all may be doing that. Uh, we've got in our house what we call bath day. And <laughs> that doesn't mean we just do it earlier every day. It means like one day of the week, you know, we're going to try to run those kids through the car wash. Um, And you, you've at least seen movies, if you haven't seen our, our kids, um, you've at least seen movies that are, they have this child who hates bath day, right? They fuss and fuss. They hate to get clean. There's something true in that. Cleansing, by definition, is corrective. And there's a sense in which we all like being unclean. There's a flesh inside us that doesn't doesn't like righteousness, faith, love and peace and loves certain desires that are sinful to the Lord. But you, you need to be clean, which means you need the word of God to correct you. That means don't come in here just looking to feel good. Don't do it. You'll be useless to the Lord if that's your desire. Come and sit under the word and let it correct you and speak against you and tell you to turn away from certain things. You just got to stop. Or you can spend your life for yourself and it will be useless for eternity. Don't do it. What is it that makes us righteous, gives us faith, increases our love, gives us peace? It is the word of God. So let me encourage you. I'm not I'm not laying out for you a certain Bible in a year reading plan, although that would be wonderful for you to find one and to give yourself to it. In their day, no one was carrying around copies of the Bible, but they made sure they were there on Sunday to hear God's word because they needed it to be clean and they needed to be clean if they wanted to be used. But even if you are involved in various Bible studies, You need God's word if you want to be used. Because it is the Bible that God uses to to wash our passions out and to work purity in. And we need to be pure. Paul then turns to this vessel in the cabinet of God's house, Timothy, this pastor, and he and he tells him there are certain kinds of character qualities that will not be useful at all. Verses 23 through 26, he says, clean your character of quarreling. And I wonder if these are the kind of passions that are especially true of youth. Young believers are really vulnerable to what another translation 
translates quarreling as stupid speculations. I want to call every one of you to clean your heart and life of stupid speculations. What about this sign of the times? How pure is that? Turning what is not clear in God's word into something that is most important. We are not to be people of speculation. We're to be people of revelation. We're not quarreling about our opinions. We are giving ourselves to God's word and what he has revealed. Because verse 24 says, the servant of the Lord must be kind to everyone and patiently endure evil and correct even his opponents with gentleness and not with harshness or with quarreling. Now, I just want to speak again to, to you. If you're, if you're the kind of person who came in here and said, I'm not going to be used by anyone. I'm the captain of my life. This whole idea of waiting for someone to pick me up and use me. I just want to remind you who it is who's using people. In this passage, it is the Lord. He is so kind. This is the one who made everyone and every has given you every good thing that you think you earned for yourself. He gave it to you. This is the one who didn't spare his own son, but in order to save the very people who rejected him and who deserve his hell. He sent his son to this world to be rejected, to die on a cross. He didn't spare him. That's the one we're serving. And look at him here in verse 20, 25. Paul says to Timothy, I want you to be gentle even with those who are ridiculous, who are giving themselves to stupid speculations. You be gentle with them. Even the people who you talk to are totally wrong about everything. They don't know anything about the Lord. Be gentle with them and be patient with them. Listen to the words. God may perhaps, maybe, maybe, maybe God will grant them what they don't have, which is the ability to turn from their sin and, and the ability to know the truth. Maybe they will come to their senses. This is my deepest desire, is they would come to their senses because I know what's happened to them. They fall into the snare of the enemy. So, listen to me. No one is used by no one. What I mean is, you may be sitting there thinking you're living your life all free and, and, and hate the idea of being used by the master. But everyone who thinks that way has been captured by Satan. And his greatest tool is to deceive you into thinking you're doing what you want. And there is someone who can conquer Satan. And it is God. And so Paul says, if you want to be useful, even when people annoy you, be patient with them. There's a reason they're blind. They've been caught. And God may use your gentleness and maybe he's going to grant them repentance. What a great master we serve. 
But what this means is being used by him for honorable work does not always feel honorable. Those who are clean get used and yet those who are used get opposed. They face conflict. They face disagreements. They face people making accusations about them. So if you if you came in and and your answer to my question initially was, well, I don't get picked for anything. Why don't I get to do the thing in the church that these other people get to do? Why don't they ever look to me to get to do these wonderful uses of God's God's work? Just understand what the, the people who are doing the most for the Lord are getting opposed the most. So you can't judge whether you're being used for wonderful things and whether your life feels good. You're going to be opposed and hated. What that also means is if you're not feeling very honored right now, even though you're serving the Lord, that is no sign that he's not using you. Because Paul is opposed more than anyone and he calls Timothy to that kind of work. If you want to be used, you've got to be clean. And that is so convicting to me. Because I know how often I'm not clean. Even if you just think about this, this area of patience or kindness or gentleness. I just know how regularly I can, in, a, in the midst of a conflict, turn harsh. In the midst of opposition, get bitter. How foreign it can feel that this heart of Paul that says, Maybe, just maybe, God will use my gentleness to convert the person who's opposing me. How far away that is from my heart so regularly. When you hear this, if you want to be used, you got to be clean. Does it feel impossible sometimes to ever get used because you feel so very unclean? Well, I want you never to forget that Jesus Christ is clean enough for all of us. He was so clean. He was so clean that he got close to the to the very people who everyone fled from. The lepers. You you touch a leper and you're going to become a leper. You're going to be outcast. All your loved ones won't be with you anymore. He was so clean that when the leper came close, Jesus touched the infected, the infection of the leper and he didn't get infected. But the other the other way around happened, like he infected the leper with with life and healing. Jesus is so clean and he stayed clean, even when the devil himself came to attack him and tempt him with with a kind of vainglory. Whenever the religious were accusing him like he was the one who was betraying God. Like he was the one committing blasphemy. When he had an opportunity to turn away from the honorable work that God used for him. He kept going to the cross and he let sinners kill him because he knew what God would do with his dying. He would use it to cleanse us and to cleanse us and to keep cleansing us again and again and again. We go to that fountain. And get clean.
Our master's most useful vessel was treated most dishonorably. Never forget that. I wonder if there's anyone here who does not love the Lord, but yet is being drawn to him right now. A God who owes you wrath, but offers you his son. There is no master like my master. It is so great to serve him. And all the suffering that he leads us to is worth it. I wonder if you want to serve him. Listen, no matter how dirty you are. God can get you clean. Just one drop of the blood of Jesus (laughs) is like the greatest detergent driving all the grease and all the unworthiness all away. If you confess your sins, he is faithful to forgive your sins and he is right to forgive your sins. He will do it. Will you turn to him and then serve him? You can be useful to the master if step one, you clean your character. But then step two is in chapter three, verses one through nine. You clean your company. Clean your company. That is the people. Associated. With you, that may sound surprising to you. But this is what Paul very clearly says. He wants us to be aware Of something I'm sure you've at least observed. That in the last days there are certain kinds of people. Now throughout the New Testament the last days refers to the days we're currently in. We're seeing that in the book of Revelation. It's all the days since Jesus Christ came. And that all we're waiting for is for him to come back. These are the last days. These are seasons of difficulty. And, and, And one support even of that idea is you see this list of people. And what they're like. Don't you know people like this? And if you want to be used by the Lord. You need to know that there are going to be. There's going to be times of difficulty. And that time of difficulty is brought on by people who. We're called in verse. At the end of verse 5. Literally it says to shun. Now that may make you uncomfortable. But you're uncomfortable with what God says. Not what I'm saying. Shun those people. And what he means is don't associate with them in in a way that you would be just like them. Paul's obviously concerned with being around people who are unlike him, who are like this in order to preach Christ to them and, 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 and save them from Satan. But he says you can't be like them. That's how you avoid them. Don't be them. Don't think that you can associate with and have all your best friends just like this. The people you really like to hang out with doing just like this and you won't become them. I'm not going to go through all the lists, but notice some of them. We've got like three different words for pride. I mean, that is absolutely the heart of this. These people live for themselves. They are confident in themselves. They're conceited. They're arrogant. And that means, beloved, listen to me, every single ounce of your pride has got to go. It is your enemy. 
But it also says these people are ungrateful. Thanksgiving would be a useful day every day. Because what is characteristic of people who don't know the Lord is they never thank him. They're always complaining. God is always at work, always gracious, keeping them out of hell, giving them air to breathe, doing all kinds of things for them. But if you want to see someone who does not know the Lord, you see someone who's ungrateful. They're unappeasable. You cannot satisfy them. Nothing works. No one is kind enough. No one is good enough. They can't be satisfied. They're heartless. They just, they're all, they're only looking out for number one and the people around them who's, who help number one. They don't care about people. They're disobedient to parents. Isn't that an interesting phrase to be in this list? Children, you are not God. I got an amen somewhere. I got an amen somewhere. Children, you are not God. Parents, you are not God. And to show you that, from the moment you come into this world, you're given people who have authority over you. Kids who disobey their parents become unappeasable unthankful, no lack or no self-control. They become people who God says to his children, don't be anything like them. Let me just simplify this list, if I could, in two different ways. One, I'm going to simplify it by saying this list of ungodly company that we shouldn't cleanse ourselves of Look at the very first description. If you want to be used, don't keep company with people who love themselves. That's the first one. Look at the last one at the end of verse four. They're not lovers of God. That's a summary, the beginning and the end. They love themselves. They do not love God. But let me summarize it another way, not just from the beginning and the end, but also from the middle one clue why, why it is that they deny the power of godliness is right in the middle of the list in verse 3. Slanderous. Another way to translate that word is demonic. Another way to translate that word came in verse 26. It's the word devil. They slander like the devil because they are just like their master. That's the point. No one serves no one. These qualities ultimately just prove who you are serving. And those people who've been captured to do the will of Satan are now described. If these characteristics characterize you, that is a terrible sign. And then it says, after those descriptions, what, why it is they are this way. How do people, and again, this is in, in God's church. There are, there are people in churches who are characterized just like this. How did they get that way? 
Well, it's explained in verses 6 and nine through 9. Among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. And then he lists these Old Testament leaders. In other words, there are ungodly teachers who make these ungodly people. They're people who are being used by Satan and they're infiltrating churches. And what they're doing is they're teaching things that are not true. And when they teach things that are not true, everyone who's listening to them, even if they get a great personality and they've got a big Sunday school class or whatever, everyone's listening to them are always learning and never arriving at the, at the knowledge of the truth. They are burdened with their own sins because the teachers are leading them into more and more sin. That's why in chapter two, verse 16, we have this explanation. Avoid people who use words a certain way because they lead people into more and more ungodliness. The great house of God has men on the inside. That are being used by Satan. You're going to be used by someone. You're going to be used for something. If you want to be used by God, you need to clean your character. Don't be like those who are like this. Learn from their example and don't do anything like them. Don't go along with them. When he brings up Jan and Jambers, I just want to tell you what happened in Exodus. When It's when Moses is doing these mighty works of God, and then there's these magicians in Pharaoh's court. And remember, they did by their secret arts, by their magic, some of the things that Moses could do until they got to the gnats and the rest of the plagues. There's only a limit to what Satan and his servants can do. God's word can do more. So I want to leave you with this. I want you to be sobered by this. Coming to church can be a scary thing. You know, this haunted houses that you might go to tomorrow or you've gone to in your past or whatever. I don't recommend it. They can be really scary. But it's not real. But there's a real dragon. A real serpent. Real snares. And real hell. And... What Paul is saying is you need to be wise because they're in God's own house. They're in churches. There are people who are preaching. It says in chapter 4. In order to increase your sinful desires, increase your passions, and they're gathering a great crowd. Those are the most popular preachers, it says, according to 2 Timothy chapter 4. They have great crowds because they are telling you it's okay to stay in your sin. But then there are preachers, according to chapter 4, verse 2, who just preach the word. And that word does all the cleansing we need. 
So let me just give you this encouragement. I mean, in any given day, if I'm looking for one of my favorite tools, you know what I mean, in my house, to do all the little projects I'd be doing up in my house, I go up to people who use those tools more regularly than me. I say, Caleb, <laughs> uh, you know, where did my drill go? You know, would you put my drill? You know, they may be just strewn all around the house. Here a tool, there a tool, maybe outside, borrowed it, left it, whatever. Listen. Can you learn something from the idea that God's tools are not strewn about? They're all in the cabinet. They're all in the house. They're all in the place where his word is. And that's how you can become useful. Is to be in the house. And enjoy what the master does in his house. In cleansing us. And in making us useful for his good purposes. Oh, God, we pray that you would use this word for honorable use. We pray that you would rescue from the snare those who are captured by Satan to do his will. And you would also use this word to cleanse your beloved people of their sins and make us useful for the great work you do. May we live our lives in service to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.